Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, like, what happens after a date? You jump in your group chat with your girls, and you tell them every single detail. Like, you know what I mean? Like, those moments are just as important, if not more, than the date itself. Well, exactly, and that's what I love about the show, and I think it assumes the thesis that it took Sex in the City six seasons to get to, which is you're the loves of her life and a guy would be lucky to come in fourth. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Ship Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Megan Fitzgerald. On this podcast, we talk a little bit TV and a little bit relationships by taking TV's best and sometimes worst couples and talking about them. We talk about when and why they work, when and why they're bullshit, and what we can learn from them as we navigate our non-fictional lives and relationships. Because sometimes it's just much easier to tell Jane to move on from Pinstripe than to move on from the classic fuckboys of our own lives. Which brings us to today's topic, today's TV show, The Bolt Type. Uh, There are so many reasons to be excited about this episode, um, which will take a slightly different format today as we're doing this episode in honor of the show's final season. So if you're listening today, June 3rd, the day the episode comes out, the second episode of the final season, which will be six total episode, airs tonight. And because I and so many of the witty and wise TV fans that I love, love this show, we wanted to do an episode at the top of the final season to sort of recap where these ladies are in their love lives. We'll talk about the relationships we've loved, the ones we've hated, and the ones we've learned from, as well as our hopes and predictions for the final season of the show. Of the show. And then probably once the show has wrapped and we have some, you know, nice uh, conclusions, we'll come back and revisit some of these relationships in more detail because we have a lot to say because some of, some of them are, like, quite rich. And I could go off about Sam Page all day uh, because listen there were so many reasons to do this episode um a sam page deep dive a nice nice rewatch lots of lots of sam page abs on this show another reason to do it was homage to melora hardin who's it's her third appearance on this podcast uh as she plays jacqueline carlisle you'll previously know her from um lenny on uh that <laughs> co-star she had on gilmore girls <laughs> as well as jan from the office but mostly this beautiful show about the strength and resilience of female friendship I am so lucky to share with my strong and resilient female friends, my most active group text, the people <laughs> I want to share my relationship, career, and personal group with, my fashion closet. So here I am to introduce today's guest co-hosts, my best friends. First off, you know her, you love her. She's back again. It's Katie Butterwitz. Hello, I'm back. I brought trouble. <laughs> I think. I mean, did. there's no way that anyone who's just tuning into this episode could know like what they're in store for because there's so many layers of friendship about to be in this podcast. So many years yeah. of friendship about to be in this podcast. Like it's. It's rich and diverse, to say the least. Much like the ladies of the bold type. Do you remember mm-hmm. season one when they had that and they did it? They'd be like, let's catch up yes. with the ladies of the bold type. And then, Do you know who it is? It's the original editor-in-chief of Chief of Cosmo. Who does that? <gasps> well, I fucking I... love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Isn't that appropriate? So before we introduce our, our other um, 
uh, our other fashion closet girls and give them their proper fanfare and do. I wanted to say, you know, what is Sam Page if not the male Melora Hardin? Has he not popped up just as wow. much as she has on all of these shows? And with that nugget, let's pass the torch and see who else we've got in the closet here. I might call her the Sutton of the group, but I think we all have layers of everything. She's an actor. She's a star. It's Presley Jenkins. Oh, my goodness. Honestly, I read that and I was like, I'm honored. Do you think I'm Sutton? (laughs) And then I started to like, you know, think about this episode more and I was like, I'm going to talk a lot of shit about Sutton, but I would do it about myself, too. So I'm very much honored to be the Sutton of the group. <laughs> Finally, wait, Izzy, before I do this. Yes. Do you not want me to say you're a casting director? Do you want not want people to slide into these DMs? I want to protect you. It's I don't okay. want people you, to stalk you. Know, you. I, I got I got to reject people in the DMs daily, so <laughs> yes, ma'am. Oh, great. I got men, actors. I mean actors. <laughs> I want that soundbite to be the little yes. preamble. <laughs> I'm going to start sliding into Izzy's DMs. <laughs> I have to reject people in the DMs daily, Izzy Bolognini. Maybe you're Sutton. My college roommate, I would call her the Jane of the group because of the statement blouses, the delicate jewelry, the elegance. She's a casting director. She's a queen. It's Isabella Bolognini. Hello. What an intro. I'm so honored. Thank you, Megan. Y'all, I'm so honored that we're all here. I really can't thank you enough. It's so cool because, truthfully, everything that's about to occur uh, recorded via audio would have occurred via memes and texts in our active active group text. So might as well put it out there for public consumption. Exactly. Like a calling card. (laughs) If you want to be my lover, you better listen to this episode of The Bold Type to understand who my friends are. A solid reversal (laughs) and an A-plus reference. Okay, wait. So let's talk about it before we get into it. Who who do we think we all are? As As we slide into this, I think the best parameter with which to look at it is my current obsession, my always obsession, astrology. But I think it's fun. You've Uh you've got your sun, your moon, and your rising, right? So for Mm -hmm. context, your sun sign is the way people see you. That's what you you know to the average listener. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your rising sign is what you present to the world. And your moon sign is how you see yourself. I think I'm a Jane sun, a cat rising, and a Sutton moon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whatever that means. I think I might present Jane Uh because I think I can present type A. Uh Could be a double Jane. Okay, here's the thing, though. I think I'm cat in some ways because I have I, I, I have a I podcast. Well, and Megan, also, I think you're a cat uh, moon. I think that's like you're who you are. Me too. Yeah, because also I've also taken a soul cycle class and burst into tears and decided to tell somebody that I love them all a cat in season <laughs> one. So so maybe I am a cat moon. Yeah, cat moon. <laughs> Very good name for a band. Well, no, because actually, Megan, I think you're a Sutton sun. Just like your first read, like way people see you. Like I'd meet her and be like, Sun. Jane Rising. Jane Rising. Cat, Cat Moon. Cat Moon. Yeah. Yeah. Cat Moon TM. My Rising and my Sun are the same in real life. So I think I have to honor that. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. I I personally think I'm a Jane Moon. Ooh. Um, mm, I agree. I can see that. I have a lot of vulnerability about me that I feel like I relate with Jane in private. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think that my rising and my son are very much sudden. I love that. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. All right, Izzy. To be honest, I, I really think I might be a triple Jane. <laughs> <laughs> 
the royal flush, Jade, if you will. Yeah, really. Jane in all houses. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You know what, though? In my rewatch, I couldn't remember where they lived. Um, and they live in Greenpoint. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, which is nice, A, because I live there. But also it's a nice, I think it's a little nod to girls because they live in Greenpoint and girls. So this leads nicely. I think before we get into the relationships, I feel that we should just take a few minutes for us each to talk about this show and just go off about the bold type for a few minutes. Because this group, between the four of us, we watch so much TV, partially because it's part of our careers, but partially just because we're big TV nerds. Mm -hmm. And we don't always have... I. I think we have similar tastes, but we don't always have across the board taste. But this show, we are all so much behind. We all love this show. So let's just talk about why it works for us. Why do we love the bold type? Well, part of what I love that you brought up about the crossover and our tastes is that I have an entire list on my phone of shows that Izzy has yelled at me for not watching. I think that Izzy does a really good job of watching the sort of highbrow shows, in addition to the lowerbrow shows, she watches, like, mm-hmm. the good quality, like, critically acclaimed. And sometimes I miss that stuff because I feel like I, that for my escape, I don't always want to be watching the, like, heady stuff. I want to watch lighter mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that's part of what this show does so successfully is it's both. Mm-hmm. Part of what I love so much about this show is the way it subverts a really common thing in our culture, which I don't know if it actually has a name, but I've heard it called gender contamination, which we've, we've talked about it a little bit on here before. But basically, it's the concept that things that we perceive as feminine or girly are somehow considered less than or looked down upon or at the very least not taken seriously and somehow contaminate a serious brand, which I think is where that phrase comes from, which is, of course, absolute bullshit. And I think this show does such a fantastic job of facing really, truly serious issues and subject matter and allowing the girls to be feminine and explore their womanhood and have those things exist simultaneously because they do and they are and they are by no means mutually exclusive, though that's what the media would have had us believe for years. Yeah. Izzy, would you like to go next since... Um, yeah, Katie, that was so... Thank you so much. I feel like that was such a compliment oh, to my TV viewing. You made it sound so highbrow even though i just watch a lot of tv <laughs> yes i have to say before i let izzy go we cannot skip over how much she loves just reality tv yeah 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 oh, like don't right. get she watches the say. critically acclaimed but that girl loves herself some real housewives don't worry i watch it's like i watch mayor of east town on sunday night had to watch the finale and then i had to watch the real housewives of beverly hills mm-hmm. you gotta have balance get you a girl who can do it's both all about balance. <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> I guess piggybacking off of what Katie, what did you call it? Gender contamination? Gender contamination. It's so refreshing to see them portrayed in this way that they're so complex and they're they're so not afraid to be smart and intelligent and we leave room for them to make mistakes and learn from them and grow from them and it becomes a very normal thing. We're not, oh, they're so dumb or they're so stupid or they're so slutty mm-hmm. or they're so this. It's really just refreshing to see, but I also love not only, like, the leads of the show, but all of the supporting characters, especially their mentors, are so mm-hmm. nurturing. And that's not something I feel like we see, especially with, like, you know, the Miranda Priestleys of the world. Yeah. Bosses and adults in our lives aren't always portrayed mm-hmm. in such a loving and encouraging, supporting nature. Mm-hmm. And it's so nice to see, especially for young it, women to not have to always be in like a toxic environment to get to where they want to be in their careers. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Like we glamorize the hustle and the grind and the just putting in your due so much. And what I love, I could write a whole essay about Jacqueline Carlyle as a character. Mm -hmm. And because I rewatched, <laughs> ended up rewatching more of the show than I planned to for this episode. But when you first, the first image of Jacqueline Carlyle is you see like her red strappy sa heeled sandal on a desk. And you think immediately that it's going to be a Miranda Priestly mm -hmm. type character. Like she's going to be a high powered, bitchy, no bullshit boss. Mm -hmm. And she is a high-powered, no-bullshit boss, but in the most, like, wonderful, encouraging, human way. And I agree, they could have made the easy, lazy choice to make her bitchy and to make her unfeeling or uncaring. But instead, they make, like, the very human version of what being high-powered and busy is, which is flawed, but still human and well-intentioned and also lovely and wonderful and anyways i could go on and on well but, yeah. i feel like we in our household like to make log lines for people like what they are and i would dare to say mm -hmm. that like jacqueline is miranda Priestley meets oprah meets your fairy godmother <laughs> oh my god so good you know like she's she's always there but only when you absolutely need her or when you come mm -hmm. to her in a time of need. And I just feel like that's where the fairy godmother portion comes in. But, like, she is Miranda Priestly, but she is Oprah, and she's always there to give you a ball gown. <laughs> but I also oh. love that we get that from Oliver. I really love oh, Oliver yeah. and Sutton's relationship. I think, oh. you know, that... I know there's Jane and Jacqueline, but I think Oliver and Sutton is also yeah. so special. Presley, do you want to speak a bit more about your relationship to the show? Oh, sure. I have a very long relationship with this show, as does Katie, because we mm. both came to this show at the same time. And that's when we had the absolute pleasure of working on it when it was a pilot in our acting class. And it was before it was even mm. called The Bold Type. And I remember reading the pilot and thinking, like, wow, this is a show that's not just about sex in the city, but it's also about mm -hmm. women being confident and finding themselves and showing up for each other. And, like, that's why I'm an actor. And that was mm. so just cool. I really want to remember what it was called. Oh, you don't remember? Uh-uh. What was it called? Issues. It was called Issues. This show just gets you so invested in, you know, the relationship between Jane, Cat, and Sutton that you get so excited to watch them navigate their romances just to see them in those fashion closet moments. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like their friendship is what keeps us coming back. You know, it's sloppy and unconventional, but it's also genuine and relatable. I read a quote about this show that said, career drama is just as important as romantic drama. And that mm -hmm. is the tea. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. You made a point that I yeah. want to harp on a little bit because you're so right. I think that we are, we've yet to see very often in film and TV, this concept that you kind of have to put as much work into your friendship relationships as you do your romantic relationships. And that's not something we're taught. That's not something that's perpetuated. But like the fact that we get to see the ups and downs between these three girls and like the nitty gritty and how they work on their friendships together. That's why I feel like it's such it's so great that like we as a group are talking about this because that's why we as a yeah. group are we as a group. You have right. to foster those relationships the same way you do your romantic relationships, perhaps more so. Well, like what happens after well, a date? You jump in your group chat with your girls and you tell them every single detail. Those moments are just as important, if not more, than the date itself. Well, exactly. And that's what I love about the show. And I think 
what this show did as a modern show about women's lives in a big city is that it assumes the thesis that it took Sex in the City six seasons to get to, which is what Big says in the finale, or the oh, maybe it's the penultimate episode where he says, you're the loves of her life, and a guy would be lucky to come in fourth. And that really was the, after all of the men that Sex in the City went through, that's what they were trying to say. And I think this show is, assumes that. It's like, of course, the female friendships those are the most important relationships in their lives. And the romantic relationships are kind of tangential. And the friendship the friendship is the true love story of the show. And the friendships, they twist and they turn and they get tense and then they release. But ultimately, the chemistry that the three of them have and the strength of these friendships, that is true love. And I, I mean, Katie, you brought this up too, but I also think the show meets the moment really well. Like we get storylines about jane dealing with her white privilege like back in 2017 mind you Mm -hmm. before all of us were reading white fragility and we have like adina's plot line about not getting through customs and that came out in 2018 like right when families started getting separated at the border they kind of make a lot of reference to immigration policy in that episode we have this alex plot line that kind of lines up with this like aziz and sorry accusation about being pushy on a date they discuss me too and time's up and cat runs for local government and 2019 like and on top of all of these in the moment issues the show again assumes that all of these women are progressive and queer friendly and sex positive and the soundtrack always hits oh it all so much Dua Lipa and ah man opening season five with best friend it was iconic uh, iconic I was like oh they met the moment (laughs) again so I'm going to go into what the plan is today. So Bold Type's final season uh, premiered last week. So the fifth and final seasons at the time of recording only has five episodes left. It's a six episode order. So at the time we're recording this, only the premiere has broadcasted. So again, that's five episodes to wrap everything up. And I think as we spoke to a bit already, what's so beautiful about this show and I think what makes it perhaps even more special and unique than its predecessors shows like Sex in the City and Friends and Girls is that this show focuses so much on their careers and their friendships and the relationships really are the third tier focus of the show, which is partially why the show is so refreshing and important. That being said, this is a relationship podcast and we still have a lot of opinions about the relationships of this show because just like the writing of the show, the writing of the relationships is complex and realistic and addresses relevant issues that come up in our current time of dating and relationships. And we could do whole episodes on some of these relationships and honestly, we'll come back and we will. But in celebration of the final season, we're going to do a recap of where each of these ladies is at in their love lives, the relationships we've seen, what we think of them, and our hopes and predictions of the future. So uh, I think we should start with Sutton. Yeah. That's my that's my pitch, is that we start with Sutton. I mean, which of Sutton's many boyfriends do you want to talk about? <laughs> I truly <laughs> forgot about the Alex I situation. I can't even believe. First of all, so to bring it back to Presley's point, <laughs> In the version of the pilot that we read when it was called Issues, there was like a version of the Alex character that it wasn't really Alex as we came to know him. And they were pretty heavily pushing him as a love interest for Jane Mm -hmm. in that version of the pilot. I love their best friendship, though. Yeah, me too. They're like very platonic female male friendship. I agree. So I'm glad they they redirected that. But that made me laugh. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, they really did something different here. 
I was talking about this with people the other day where like I really think a good measure of a straight guy is having platonic female friendships agreed you know and so we give alex kudos for being able to do that mm-hmm. for four of the seasons mm-hmm. <laughs> well megan as uh president uh vice president ceo of the mm-hmm. Sandpage fan club what oh, do you want to kick us off with your thoughts what a on mighty richard good man <laughs> yeah what a mighty good man i just truly rewatching the show made me want to fuck a 45 year old pronto i <laughs> i did <laughs> I rewatched most of the show and I have to say really until that final fight that we see in season four where they're breaking up Richard is on point at almost every turn of the relationship so when they're secretive when they have to be secretive he does all the right things he tries to he wants to take her out he tries to get to know her friends then when they can go public he's clear about what he wants even if it's going to hurt potentially his reputation or his career. He supports her career. He sacrifices for her career. I've said it before. I think they have the best sex on TV for like a modern day couple. They're so, they talk about the porn they watch together. They're playing with sex toys together. And I think that there's a lot to discuss in their relationship in terms of like navigating age differences and the tensions that come up and like being at different stages in your life and how they work through them. So we could really get into it another episode. But overall, God, I, I love I love I love Richard and I love Sam Page. I love a man who embraces just a tiny bit of grays, uh, you know, Izzy, tell us about your love for Sam Page. Yeah, well. It's been going on for a long time. I feel like we all have just been a part of the Sam Page fan club. But I wanted to point mm-hmm. out to you, Megan, I don't know if you know this as a super fan, but Sam Page was the very first person they cast on this show. It wasn't the girls. It <gasps> Melora was second. Sam Page was number one. First to oh be announced, my God. first to be cast, which I thought was really fun. Here we go. Here's the casting director. I like it. for you. I always think it's so fun to, like know that part about the process that obviously everybody else loved sam page as much as we loved sam page and i think there could Mm -hmm. be no other richard like maybe they wrote it for him who knows that's so cool wait that's so fun to know too because i feel like whoever you set first in the cast kind of like sets the tone for the show Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. what a what a brilliant choice or whatever with is he has that way about him that then sort of filled in the rest of the show where like you said it's not sleazy it's not Uh, the sort of trite concepts we see again and again of people stepping on each other in the workplace or in life to get ahead. It is this doing your best as a good human tone that Mm -hmm. then everyone else Mm -hmm. filled in and and sort of met. He also just has that, those like kind McDreamy eyes about him where like, Mm -hmm. I always say this when we're watching Grey's. Well, I do it. Every time McDreamy looks at Meredith, he's just like, and it's essentially it's just eyes closed, smile, no teeth, just like smitten about. Like just to watch mm-hmm. Richard look at Sutton, I could watch thirty minutes of just that all day. Yeah. Oh my god, we should get a bottle episode of just just we really Sutton. should. You know what I'd love a bottle episode of Richard's perspective of the relationship over the five years. Yeah. Agreed. I would love. Just an essay in which we redefine the male gaze as only that type of male gaze. Yes, yes. If you don't look at me, if you don't look at me the way that Richard looks at Sutton, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. Want it. Also, like to 
to Megan's testament, to the Spice Girls testament. If you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. And I think right out the gate, it's I think it's season one, the episode where they're like all in the bathtub together. And he's just like, these are my drunk babies in the bathtub. Like, it's just any guy who wants to earn any sort of good graces with me has got to have a good relationship with my friends. And truthfully, any guy who wants to get with my friends earns so many points with me by being kind to me or like being attentive to me and that's not just because I like attention it's because I think it's so important to not like isolate a girl in her world like a girl's world is her friends yeah among other Mm -hmm. things yeah he just I mean out of all the men does the best job of that I think the only other thought that I have about Richard I mean I really everything you your intro about him is correct and all the reasons why we love him but I think I really love him because I am an acts of service lover, and I think mm. Richard, and maybe, I mean, the both, the way that they compromise with one another and communicate with one another and really put each other first in all of those situations to go out of their way to show how much they love each other. I feel like they're just a big acts of service couple, and that really speaks my mm. language. The night that mm. she was working late and missed dinner and he brought her the breadsticks. <laughs> the breadsticks. Oh, I mean, come on, God. what more could you want? Izzy, I see you with a Richard, for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm putting that that is the, the way universe. that you're not a triple J. That's why I don't yeah. think you're I, a triple J, because so you have to have Sutton. where Sutton is. I think Sutton's your moon. Yeah. Um, a secret Sutton. Mm. I think you're a secret Ooh. Sutton. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's the deal. Like, if you, I feel like this group especially, but if you know anything about me, you know that I love a workplace romance um, Mm -hmm. on TV and in real life. But it's that, like, will they or won't they tension in such close quarters, um, one that we see time and time again in shows like The Office and Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. But we get so invested in the, like, in the relationship just based purely on sexual tension in given circumstances And I think another thing this relationship brings up is being in different stages of life and that scenario. I don't feel like I have a huge repertoire of dating men 20 years older than me, but I feel like this is such a common thing in relationships with any age gap, big or small, that it's just being at a different place in life. And like watching the end of the last last season um we heard Sutton saying like she didn't want kids but I just don't know if she can truly speak from Richard's place which is in her case 20 years in her future possibly but overall Suttered is goals Suttered yeah I agree the final fight the fight at the end of the fourth season and like them having sex for the last you know when they have that very intimate sex and they're looking at each other a lot it felt very final to me and I, I hate to say it because I like I love them so much, but I, I don't see them getting back together in the final season. I think they chose to tell this story of how there can be so much compromising and so much bending for each other. But there are some sacrifices that are too big. And I think for so many people, the kids thing is huge. And the only thing I can see happening, and I forget if she's had this reckoning or not, and this will go later. I'll talk about my other predictions for Sutton in the final season. The only thing I can see happening is if she deals with all of her mom stuff, and then she's like, I'm ready to have kids. But part of me hopes she doesn't, because I know for so many women that don't want to have kids, seeing the Sutton storyline of like, no, I know that I don't want to have kids, and I'm not going to change my mind, was so important. So the only, that's the one, like, caveat I can see. If she does change her mind about that, 
I can see it happening, but part of me thinks that she won't and that they won't. I feel like I have to jump in here because I've said this time and time again, like, at what point in a relationship do you sacrifice your personal wants for that of your partner's? And Mm -hmm. I think that Sutton always finds her way out of situations, but not before self-sabotaging herself into them. And I think, Mm -hmm. like, that's a big deal. She's going to have to deal with a lot of things. We didn't get to see Richard, like, deal with things, but I feel as if he's a very well-adjusted person. And he in no way is like, it's all or nothing, but he has showed so much sacrifice throughout this relationship that we haven't necessarily seen Sutton show for him. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting too. I thought about that and I thought about like, okay, having a hard opinion on things. Like I know I want this or I know I don't want this. I I vacillate 50, 50 in my brain between going, Oh, that's such a young point of view or, Oh, that's such an old point of view. Like I think both things equally. I'm like, so, so they must both be valid. You know what I mean? I'm like, Oh, it's so young of her to think, well, I'm never going to want this. And then I'm like, well, it's so set in his ways of him to think he's definitely going to want this. And I don't know the right mm-hmm. answer because I don't think there is a blanket right answer. You know, it's kind of like what you're saying. There are so many women who don't want to have kids and that's an okay thing. Like as much as it's a beautiful natural process, like you don't owe the world kids. If that's just right. what she doesn't want, then that's different than if, cause we, we know she has this deep rich backstory with her mom. So if it is trauma that's leading her to that response at the cost of this man who really loves her, that's different, but mm-hmm. it's really complex. I mean, kudos to the show for tackling something so huge. Is what do you think? So I should have probably prefaced another casting bit of oh. another bit of casting oh. tea, but I was watching an interview and Megan did reveal that Sam Page is returning this season. It might just be in a recurring okay. capacity. So that to, obviously I don't think that means that they end up personally, I don't think that means that they end up together, but I do think we will either I don't know if it's going to be closure, but I do think that he and Sutton will either have a conversation. Maybe it will sway my opinion that, like, I don't know. Mm. I just feel like there's going to be some kind of scene that helps us process that I really don't think they're getting back together. I don't. Part of me feels like I wouldn't want that for him because, I don't know, in that scene where she's like, he's like, I always sacrifice. And she's like, no, I always sacrifice. I'm kind of on his side. I'm like, 100%. He and he will resent he it for the more. rest of his life. He'll resent her. No. It's yeah. interesting because I think given her background with her mom and the way she's seen Barb sort of compromise herself and her life for men and for her addiction, Sutton has this really strong sense of who she is and what she wants, and she really won't let anything jeopardize that. That being said, I think it's kind of a miracle that she did compromise for him in any ways. Do you know what I mean? I, you would think mm-hmm. that someone whose background is that would be so g- conditioned to just fight for what they want or not let anyone in. And so the fact that she does find balance in the relationship at all, I think is a miracle. But I think it, it's hard for her to find that balance of, well, where's too much or what's enough? It's almost a Bridgerton, to be honest, where, um, you know, he's so defined by trying to stick it to his dad's legacy that he ends right. up letting his dad define his legacy. And it's like, okay, is Sutton in that with her, with her mom, you know? Here, okay, well, I'll just say it now. I think Sutton's going to go to rehab at this season. Yeah. Oh. Um, because when you rewatch, like, they really build in her drinking for a very long time. And the fact that that was the theme of the first episode of the fifth season. So I think it's going to be a big moment for Sutton. So I can see her dealing with all of it and going back to him, kind of. But mostly I can see her ending. I can, of the three of them, I can see her ending up alone. 
even in the build-up, you can see how much they really do build in her drinking. And then the whole, I mean, she's just wasted the whole first episode. But then, mm -hmm. like Katie was saying before, it's kind of surprising how much, like, how well she worked with Richard because of how much she had to compromise with him because she right. sort of, like, doesn't let anything stop her or get in the way. And the first episode, like, that's all she did between the drinking and how much Billy was texting her in that first episode, how much she was not focused on work. She had to lie to Oliver about having a plan to pitch for the ad sales. Like, you could tell every she was just crumbling. And it was yeah. so unlike her, and it made me deeply sad for her. Mm -hmm. And I think she's going to have a really hard season. But Sutton is so terrified to become her mom that it holds her back from being herself. Yeah. It's like the finger traps we used to play with as kids, which, like, the tighter you pull, the more stuck you'd become. And that's sort of the metaphor, I feel like, for Sutton's situation. It becomes almost a self-fulfilling prophecy in which the more she struggles to depart from her mom's example, the more she falls into the same exact behavioral patterns. Okay, okay, we do have to take a commercial break because we have to talk about bow, 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 Adam and Eve, baby. AdamandEve.com, the biggest sex superstore on the internet. I just, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I really don't feel like I've made it as a relationship podcast until I have an Adam and Eve sponsorship and it's here. AdamandEve.com. It's literally everything you need to improve your sex life on one store. It's vibrators, it's butt plugs, it's lingerie, it's lubrication, it's condominiums, condoms, all on one store. And when you use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you get 10 free gifts. That's a sexy item for you, a sexy item for your partner, a sexy item for the guy who comes over once a month. And then you get seven more to give to all the bachelorettes at the bachelorette party you're going to this summer because we know we're all going to a bunch that have been postponed for a year. And you get free shipping and you get six free spicy little movies, cinema, when you use the code at checkout. So again, the code is BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V at checkout at adamandeve.com. Listen. What would iconic television be without iconic sex scenes? And how would you make sex scenes from Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Orange is the New Black, True Detective, Westworld, House of Cards better? You'd add a sex toy. So I don't want you to live your best Daenerys life. I want you to live your best Samantha life. And what Samantha would have are some accessories. So go to, go to adamandeve.com. Use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, and I want you to live your best life. On to Kat. Uh, so for uh, Kat has a little slightly more complex love pattern than Sutton, who's mostly just with Richard. With Kat, we go from uh, a relationship with Adina to an open relationship with Adina to uh, back to just Adina. Then Adina breaks up with her and she's with Tia. And then she's with Adina and Tia. And then she goes for a solo, finding her place, a solid hotation phase um, with some men thrown in there. And then we have the Eva situation. Megan, I think you forgot Adina. Oh, right, right. And then she's she's also, also, she's Adina. also with Adina. You guys remember Adina, mm -hmm. right? Let's go maybe least to say to most to say. Yeah. Um, 
Anyone have anything fun to say about Tia, who was her campaign manager, uh, for those who don't remember? <laughs> I hate that I forgot season. that. I mean, I mean, it was so unimportant to me. I forgot. I mean, that yeah. says a lot about Tia, though, that you needed to preface and say, this is who Tia was. <laughs> right. I think something to exactly. say about Kat and her relationships is, like, just, like, all of them, is some people might be like, oh, Kat's a serial dater. And it's like, no. Kat is learning how to date she's going she's going Mm. all the way back to 15 and she's learning how to date like she's finding out what she likes in a different gender and i feel like that's so beautiful and important and like men are different than women like we are yeah we're so different and i feel like she can't compare like what she liked in men to what she likes in women I can't speak to it on any personal level as, you know, a heterosexual cisgender woman. I've never had any experience like that. But I think in general, like, we're putting something on her as a character on TV. Like, she doesn't have any responsibility to be the representative of all people coming out. You know what I mean? Like, she doesn't necessarily have to foster someone else's experience. Though, like, I think it certainly colored Kat's experience that um, Adina was able to guide her in such a way. Like, again, that's not Adina's job. It's no one's job to do that for you. And that's kind of what I like about the girls of the bold type is also something that I don't always like when I'm watching it just as a TV fan, but like they are flawed people. They are people who I feel like all of the girls, but Kat's a good example of it, are constantly learning the same lesson over and over again. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand watching TV, I'm like, oh, learn this lesson already. But as a human in life, I'm like, is that not just what happens? Like, Mm -hmm. the universe just gives you the same lesson again and again until you learn it. And I feel like for all of Kat's strengths, for her, like, daunting advocacy and she's so confident and she's she's so well-spoken and she's such a professional career woman, like, for all of her amazing strengths, one thing that she struggles with is retroactive self-criticism, if that makes sense. Like, we see her get into Mm -hmm. these sticky situations and... I don't know that she's very good at looking back at it and saying, how was I complicit in that situation? How did I fuck up? How can I learn and grow to get better next time? Well, I feel like Kat considers herself an expert at everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, she came, she obviously came out and then I feel like she was so excited to help someone else come out. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. Yeah. And so I think, yeah. and I think that was her perspective. And I think as the observer, I think actually Kat hadn't, there hadn't, not enough time had passed, not enough experience had passed for her to have any sort of wisdom on it to be able to, like, shepherd mm-hmm. anyone in any way. I think she still was taking what she needed from it. So, and that's, that's an okay place to be. But I think Kat totally. wants to be the advocate for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, though, one thing in rewatching that I was like, respect, Tia, is that when Kat is like, hey, Adina's back in my life. And if I'm being honest with myself, there are still feelings. A- Tia's like, I understand that you, she's like, I kind of figured there would be some feelings there. And I understand you have a past with her, but I think we have a future together. And I was like, that is a lovely line. And I admire the confidence. Yeah. Honestly, we really like, you know, emotional honesty, straightforward goals and boundaries. I would say, Mm -hmm. uh, as I've just learned that this is what I have, Tia definitely has her Venus in Aries. Oh, nice. It means that her, the way she loves, is very straightforward and kind, but very straightforward. I love that. Yeah. 
Any other Tia thoughts? I don't have a Tia thought, but this is also not an <laughs> Ava or an Adina thought. Who was, what was her name? The girl that Kat briefly dated. They were, she was like going through her apps and she was like, yeah, I matched with this girl that like I wouldn't usually go for, but like I'm going to prove to them. And they were like, she has a French manicure or she has a French pedicure on her toes. Oh. You can't date her. And then she like pretends like she's too good to date her and then ends up kind of wanting to date her. And the girl's like. Do you know what I'm talking about? I totally remember. Yes. Yes. Don't get me started then how, I mean, what a great storyline. How even these girls who were so enlightened were judging someone else for being quote unquote basic. Exactly. And it's like, fuck her for liking what she likes. Like, don't even get me started on this new concept of chuggy. I'll I'll throw you. Um, Yeah. Cats. I do like cats. We can speak a little bit about cats. I I, am taking the phrase hotation from insecure. um, And I I also just enjoy it. And I think it's an empowering time in any person's life. And I think that she, it's interesting. She breaks up with Tia and Adina because she's like, I need to be by myself. I think by where we are now in the fifth season, and this leads to our Ava conversation, she does understand what she needs in a relationship. And I don't, I think the problem has been up until now, she hasn't totally known. She didn't really know with Adina. She didn't really know when she needed to be open with Adina. She didn't really know when she was dating. She certainly didn't with Ava. And now I think she's there. So I guess she, I, I don't know. I think she did. She does now understand what she requires of a partner. Yeah. Um, but shall we talk about the Ava situation? Let's what a talk great about segue into the Ava situation. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, I think that it's relevant that I give a little bit of like the background mm-hmm. with Isha D. Um, so Isha D, who plays Kat, uh, last summer when I think the bull type was on hiatus yeah. uh, this time. She called out a lot of things that were, like, racist about the show. Um, She called out that there were no BIPOC writers for the first two seasons, and that it took several seasons for there to be somebody on set who knew how to work with her textured hair. And that something we a little bit spoke to is that how they're putting all of the experience of a black woman, but also a queer woman, both, both experiences on this one character... And how she was responsible for carrying both of these huge narratives. She felt that the falling for Eva, who is this conservative talking head who, you know, supports conversion therapy and all sorts of things that hurt the communities that Kat would be a part of. The actor found that totally out of character and kind of, this is the way she put it, took a page out of Kat's book and called out the production for it. And is like, this would never happen. Kat would never do this. And like, bitch, I agree. Like, I don't even swipe left on people who are moderate. Somebody's politics and like, not even just like their politics, their career is based on bringing your community down. Kat could never. And I'm so glad that she called. I agree with you. I think what they were trying to do was a little bit explore this concept of the head versus the heart and how you can't always control who you Mm. love or at the very least who you're attracted to. And I think we've all been there time and time again. I mean, we've been talking about that ad nauseum, you know, but I I think there's a line. I think, you know, uh, especially in 2021, we are throwing out the age old sort of party line of, oh, I don't talk about politics because that doesn't exist anymore. And that cannot exist anymore. Right. Because there's politics of like, oh, 
uh, no, I'm even, I'm even still trying to justify it because that's what we're taught to do. But I was going to say, oh, like you can talk about taxes and I'm like, even taxes are tied to like who gets to live what kind of life. And so I think Mm -hmm. really truly at the end of the day, the line kind of has to be, and it seems to be where we're going in this final season, where the line is for Kat is, yeah, I can be attracted to you or whatever, but I have to draw the line when your beliefs or your passion or your career somehow precludes or prohibits somebody else's right to live. Like, that's that's going to be my hard line there. I just, um, I'm so glad Aisha came out and said something about it. But I also think we all, I mean, regardless, I think we also all felt that way. Watch, I mean, I hate this relationship. I think it doesn't make any type of sense. And maybe they could have gotten away with it if it was a one-time hookup out of anger and rage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they kind of, it was like a slow burn and th- she did her podcast and you could kind of see her like looking at her differently and like developing these feelings, which just doesn't make any type of sense to me other than pure lust. Because at the end of the day, Kat couldn't even stop protesting for a very high paying lucrative job that would keep her yeah. in her apartment. Like, how could she put aside the things that are most important to her for this woman, and she couldn't do it for anything else in her life that are arguably so much more important than Ava. Yeah. I don't <laughs> like this relationship at all. I feel as if ha- we don't really see as much in Sutton, and we don't really see as much in Jane. We would expect it from Jane, but we're seeing, like, the fixer, like, someone mm. who needs to fix someone. Mm, and I mm-hmm. feel like it goes hand-in-hand hand with Kat being an expert at everything, like I said. I just feel mm-hmm. like there's cats need to like fix people. Maybe her dating her or loving on her was an act of protest in yeah. its own way. Right. Or I think that and I <laughs> this could be like the cat part of me is that like I just need you to understand that I am right and you're wrong. <laughs> like I I get fixated on certain people where I'm like I just think if you understood my point of view a little bit longer you would understand that i am right and you're wrong and like you see cat try like push ava a little bit more and more to try to get to her side and like ava's a fully evolved woman who's picked a career in this and she won't Um, i know that you have a good point about this too and so i want to say something to your credit about it because i think a lot of the culture of this show has allowed us as as all good tv does to like learn how to be the people we want to be and so i wa- i was watching you as you said your first bit about how Aisha D spoke out and mm-hmm. you took a little bit finding the right word and then eventually i saw your thought process was well this is the word and you said racist and mm-hmm. i think it's a testament to the show where it's like we're going to call a spade a spade. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we don't need to beat around the bush. We need to acknowledge things for what they are, even if it's unpleasant. And like, it was just really illuminating and cool to watch you go through that thought process while we're talking about it. Cause I think these girls have a a deep hand in it. I think that something to love about the show is that it's fostered this experience in which the actors themselves are just as empowered as these characters to speak out. 
even while the show is still on the air. And I think, you know, in the 90s, in like the early aughts, we would have seen, you know, actors later on be like, I mean, you think about Glee. Think about people like not calling Leah Michelle out on the set of how she behaved on the set of Glee until literally now, 10 years later, versus like Asia D is still on contract. Like she spoke out in 2020. They still had a whole season to film and she spoke out about this. Obviously, we know the ways in which, you know, Katie just pointed out like a microcosm and way in ways which like the show has affected me in the way that I speak. And I'm sure there are millions of people who the show has affected. But to see it happen on this large scale where like an actor is affected by their character. And she says she's like, I'm taking a page of Kat's book. I think that's so powerful. And in a weird way, it's the show impacting the show. <sighs> yeah, Ugh, they're great. Oh, I think we forgot Adina, um, you guys. <laughs> I feel like we should now talk about Adina. <laughs> Adina's arc is truly just beautiful, I feel. I mean, mm-hmm. I very much did not like Adina. I just thought she was just too enlightened for her own good. She was like, I'm a good person. Look at how good of a person I am. And we were like, no, are you? We don't know. But just to watch her find out who she truly was throughout dating Kat and just being an artist was a good look on her. Part of it is her arc in in getting to know Kat. Because I think initially what was kind of off-putting, even though she was really, I think, really supportive of Kat in the early stages of their relationship, I feel like, unlike how we were talking about with Richard and Sutton, I feel like Richard is like, oh, you're this age, I'm this age. I acknowledge where you're at in your life and your process, and I'm here in my life and my process. Let's meet in the middle. I feel like Adina was like, oh, you're there in your process? Meet me right here where I am. Mm -hmm. And didn't really allow for compromise or growth. She was like, well, I'm this enlightened, as you were saying. Can't you just meet me right here in the land of enlightenment? And I think once she got to know Kat better, Kat opened up her world, too, you know, for as worldly and educated and kind and brave and all the wonderful things that Adina is – you know, her worldview was still limited to her worldview. And so I think mm-hmm. the relationship with Kat affected her too in that it made her more or more open to other love languages or other just sort of ways of being. So I liked the arc of it too. I don't know for me that they're like OTP endgame necessarily because I think part of their deep bond is just that it, it was this, I mean, at least for Kat, this like early formative relationship, like you're always going to remember your first love. I don't think you're ever going to not love Mm. your first love unless something like atrocious happens. I never, I agree. They're not like end game for me. I loved seeing the effect that they both had on one another. I loved seeing their journey together. But one thing I will just never be able to get over is, I don't know, did we call it cheating when she, like, had this girlfriend she wanted to reconcile with in Paris, and then she and Kat, like, uh, hooked up anyway, and then she was like, well, I'm yeah. gonna go and try and reconcile with my girlfriend now. It just left such a bad taste in my mouth. I don't know. I don't think that they'll end up together. I think they'll leave that in the past. That 100% was her first love. She learned the lessons that she needed to learn from that, but that's it. Well, there will never, like, the scar from being the second option will never disappear. Like, whether, when Kat, mm-hmm. when Adina went back to this girl and then realized that, oh, I do love Kat, like, it shouldn't, it, have, ta- it shouldn't have taken you having to go yeah. back to someone else to realize that, in my opinion. Yeah. That's when it was yeah. over for me, and I know that's not when it was over for them, but. And with that, I'm out. <laughs> and with that, I'm out. For that reason, I'm out. I'm out. 
Yeah, I think there are certain relationships we have in our lives that are, some of my friends call them expanders. Like, oh, this person was an expander oh, for I me. I love that. They changed, mm-hmm. like, they shifted the way that I love, or they shifted the way that I think, or they shifted my relationship to myself in some ways. And I originally was going to call Adina an expander for Kat, partially because of opening her up to a relationship with a woman, but for other ways too. Kat's so involved in social media and like hustle, hustle, hustle. And Adina's like, hey, let's just be here and be present in the moment. Um, but I also, think, I also think Kat was an expander for Adina. I and I actually disagree. I do think they'll end up together. Mm. I think that that's where the show is going. Because I think that I think what the story they're going to tell is like it was imperfect all these different times and they've gone and they've been separate and they've now been friends and collaborators and I can see them getting back together in this final season. It is important to note too I feel like in recent episodes how we've seen Adina is not with someone else. Yeah. We've Mm -hmm. seen her alone and working on herself Mm -hmm. which I feel like is trying to um let us as the audience forgive her for the cheating that happened mm-hmm. and for doing yeah cat dirty. But I mean, I think that like Adina definitely is that first for cat. And I think that with first they set the bar, whether it be good or bad, you know, it has to get set somewhere, mm-hmm. whether it's an inch off the ground or five feet. Yeah. I, if it happens mm-hmm. the way you've both just, you've all just described it, I'm on board. I will get on board. If that's how it happens, I think it'll be a worthy journey and arc. Spending years yeah. in continents. Oh, all right. Speaking of arcs. Mm, tiny Should Jane. we talk about Jane? Yeah. Should we talk about Tiny Jane? I had Jane? to look it up because they say it so often. I was like, how small is this bitch? Like, I like, I like Katie Stevens. I get Katie Stevens sometimes. And I was like, let's see how fucking small she is. She's 5'3", and I was like, that's pretty short, but I feel like that's not short enough to be like, you're short. <laughs> or, in, in what we were talking about of these characters learning the same lessons again, I feel like once an episode, Jane is like, no, I'm not going to be myself. I'm not going to assert myself in the world. And then by the end of the episode, she's like, yes, I am, and here's the lesson I learned. Yeah. yeah. And that's, like, her arc that she does again and again, and eventually we're like, just start doing yeah. that. Like, I wish <laughs> I could record how many times I out loud on the couch was like, Jane's gonna make a big deal about this. Yeah. She's gonna <laughs> hold it in. I it's gonna take us a whole episode for her to finally let it out. Girl loves her catharsis. Mm-hmm. So speaking of catharsis, I actually don't know where mm-hmm. I was going with that segue. I think I was thinking like old Greeks, the humors, medicine, doctors. Dr. Ben was what I was doing. <laughs> We got there eventually. We found our way. That was a highbrow, a highbrow segue. The humors. Do you guys uh, think about that sometimes? It. How, like, in old times, they were like, oh, something's wrong with you. Let's put leeches and let your blood out. Tell <laughs> like, me, did so. you get a degree in theater, Katie? Did you study? Tell <laughs> me you got a degree in theater without telling me you got a degree in theater. I want to start by talking about Dr. Ben because Dr. Ben is what we talk about all the time. He is your classic, yeah. compelling alternative guy. He's Jake Ballard. He's... Jacob from Twilight. He's all the Jakes, really. Uh, sorry if you're named Jacob. <laughs> or my favorite example, which I'm sure everyone who's even listening knows by now, which is Patrick Dempsey in Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, ben was great. He was wonderful to Jane. He was really supportive. But I think, ultimately, 
he just didn't make her feel passionate the way that Pinstripe did. You know, later on, honestly, mm. I think that might have been something she wanted since things got a little too passionate with Pinstripe. But uh, with with Ben, I think she chose epic love with Ryan over safety and security, which is a calculated risk. And in the end, she got burned mm. a little bit, you know? Screaming and fighting and kissing in the rain. <laughs> Same brain. So, yeah, I think where we see her now, Jane's really trying to find the balance with her new guy, who we'll talk about. But, like, between the, like, ups and downs, roller coasters, passion, and the, like, very calm and mellow, I'm just supportive of you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the new guy is a balance of both. The difference is they really did make Ben so boring. So boring. <laughs> and what a shame, because he is so Fine. handsome. So- I think what can be dangerous is that, so right, she doesn't pick Ben. She doesn't take the safe calculated choice and things with pinstripe don't work out. And so it can feel like a lesson and like you should make the safe, take the safe calculated option and you shouldn't. Like Ben wasn't right for her Mm -hmm. either. She wasn't passionate about it. Ben deserves someone that's going to like love that folder of medical journal and like take that as the act of service yeah. and show it to all their friends and be like look what he did for me isn't he amazing yeah. because there there are so many people out there that would take that and run with it that's just not jane here's the thing about here's my pinstripe take mm. ryan ryan was always trash yeah. ryan like from the beginning used her for stories about his sex writing was also writing about other girls publicly and the sex life he was having with them then she sets this clear boundary. She's like, Ryan, this is what I want. You can't give me what I want. Goodbye. She's with Ben. Then he comes back into his li- her life. And this is what kills me. He's like, I know you're with Ben. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. And he kisses her and it works. And she does choose him. She makes the epic choice or whatever. She the screaming and fighting and kissing mm-hmm. the rain choice. And then he cheats on her and then lies about it for a year. So that's the Oof. scope of like where we go. And what I do appreciate about the storyline is that I think we needed to see it on TV where the guy does not get the redemption arc. Mm. The guy who starts out as a playboy, as a fuckboy, stays a fuckboy. Ryan stays trash. And even though, especially in rewatching, I knew that's where this was going, but I still found myself rooting for him at certain moments because you can tell he does love her and he does want to be with her and maybe he even does want to change, but he can't. And I think that this is a very realistic representation of what these guys look like in our non-fictional lives because a lot of times they are charming and they do banter well and they do, I think, love the women that they're with sometimes mm-hmm. and want to support their career and they may fuck you better than everybody else, but I also think that they fuck you over better than anybody else because I think it's really hard for somebody like that to truly change their stripes i think they really if you really want to change your stripes if you really want to stop being a fuck boy you have to be done and we know that ryan's not done he wasn't done because on his little tour he's like oh i still kind of miss that life and he played it off as like oh that's just a character but like that's still in him and i i i really i'm just appreciative that we got a realistic arc of somebody that we want to change and can't well i think that Jane has a vulnerability issue. And I think that that's why her and Ben didn't work out. I think that like Ben's job and Ben's love for her made it impossible for him not to be vulnerable with her and like dive so deep into that. And she was like, oh no, that's not my choice. So Jane finally became, allowed herself to become vulnerable with Pinstripe. And we saw that whole thing happening with 
them having sex and that whole thing. And mm-hmm. I think that Pinstripe preyed on her vulnerability issue. I think that he For fully sure. clocked that 100%, knew that it was something, and knew that he had her, and that's when he started playing with her. And I think that Jane felt so comfortable in the dysfunction of her vulnerability issue where she was like, well, I've only ever allowed myself and it was so hard for me to do it the first time. I might as well just keep going back to the thing I already know. Damn. I wish people could see how many times my jaw is dropping to the floor by all the truth bombs you guys are spitting. <laughs> it's one of the universal truths where it's it's like, it kind of doesn't matter how fucking smart you are. Like, there's always going to be people who come along where you're like... Why, why do I keep going back to this person, even though I know I shouldn't? Mm-hmm. I well, have a PSA for all the women out there. Yeah. Say it. You cannot date potential. <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh, shit. So. You cannot date potential. I want to come back to Pinstripe. But before we move on from Ben completely, I know we're kind of melding them. Yeah. I do want to give him some credit in that I think he was sort of like a primer for Jane mm-hmm. because correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there was so one, many. she was at a very vulnerable time where she was deciding one, if she wanted to freeze her eggs and two, how she was going to pay for it, which is a very, very mm-hmm. big life choice to make at such a young yeah. age and was getting also support from both. One wanted to pay for it. The other was going to marry her so that she could be on his health insurance as a doctor. So she could, freeze her eggs for free like she had a two very supportive kind loving men but i feel like Mm -hmm. ben had this conversation with her about religion do you guys remember this Mm, yeah yeah he's religious He's religious and she was not it had a lot to do with her mom and her mom passing away and all it kind Mm. of i think broached a topic jane didn't really ever have to confront before i brought up a lot of her vulnerabilities and i think that sort of left her like wide open and pinstripe sort of saw it and swooped in and sort of took his shot and on the one hand i commend ben for being able to talk to her about that and getting her to open up i just think ryan took advantage of that i think that it is very important to note that being a fuck boy is calculated 100%. 100%. And it goes mm. it goes both ways. I mean, women can do it too, but like it is not, oh, he's just a No, no. That is some calculated bullshit. If you if <laughs> Pinstripe were a person, not the actor Dan Janot, who I like his name because that's when I remember that they film in Canada. I'm like, that is a French Canadian ass name. But if I got Pinstripe the guy in a room, and I'd be like, "Are you a nice guy?" He'd be like, "Yes." You know what I mean? I think he oh, suffers yeah. from nice guy syndrome 100%. And yet is a fuckboy. And so I think, well, that's what's worse is I think he thinks he's nice and everything he's doing is allowed. And and because that's what society teaches you, that this is what you do. Mm-hmm. I don't even think it'd be yes. I think it'd be, <laughs> what are you talking what about? Of course, of course I am. Of course I'm a like, nice how guy. dare you? It'd be you? gaslighting yeah. and it'd be like, <laughs> yeah. what do you like, mean? There's different tiers of fuckboys and he mm-hmm. falls under like fuckboy in sheep's clothing. <laughs> Boom. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's the insecure line where uh, this girl tells Lawrence, like, you're worse. You're a fuckboy who thinks he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think he's out, though. I think he's gone. I think he's gone, too. I don't, he's gone too. I don't think we'll see him. Yeah, he out. didn't. I was yeah. just, like, based on the actor's social media, he didn't seem to post anything from being, like, on set the whole last season. And when they did mm-hmm. their, like, oh, so sad, last day of shooting, he was like, congrats, you got. Like, it was very separate. Uh, Let's talk about Scott. 
curly haired Scott. Oh my god, you who? said Scott with who? Yeah. yeah, we all went, what? Oh, I know. I had to look up his who name. Scott the guy, like? he looks like a guy who'd wear a thin scarf, mm. you know? Oh, yeah. Scott! You said that, and I, I didn't even need to look it up anymore. I knew exactly who you were talking about. He does wear a thin scarf. He uh yeah, so this is Scott. This is Jane's hire, who it's uh Jane, one of Jane's direct reports that she hires in season four to work for her vertical. But clearly there's attraction there the whole time, and towards the end of season four, they both he at least acknowledges that there's attraction. Yeah. And um, spoiler alert, in season five, she in the first episode of season five, she acknowledges that there is I don't see this ending well in any way, but uh Presley, I'm on the same train as you with workplace flirtation and you know i don't know how well my workplace flirtation will end either but i haven't stopped doing it so who am i to judge jane for uh continuing this clearly inappropriate flirtation listen i mean how many people have told you uh don't shit where you eat and we continue to shit where we eat because like it's Mm -hmm. there and it's it's fun and it's the it's the little looks and it's the are will they won't they you know like it's just there's something about it that's so hot and with all due respect yeah. to everyone who says that I like I feel like people who say that say it for good reason and you know there's a lot of good philosophy in there but like where the fuck else am I supposed to meet people Jesus like yeah. there's so many like we go out and stuff but it's like okay well who am I meeting out people who are like let's go out you know what I mean like who am I meeting on dating apps right. guys who want to be on dating apps like you just have to look at where you're looking who am I meeting at work a guy with a job I do think Scott is a good balance of the best of Ben and the best of Ryan yeah. because I think she does love she loves to talk shop with a lover you know she loves a group project as foreplay yeah. and so I think like her I think that's what she liked about Ryan is that they could talk about stories and so with this guy with the writing and the investigating together like with somebody who gets it that really works for her but he is just as sensitive and caring as Ben was so I don't know I can see him being I can see him being the the match part of what's interesting about him is I don't know if it's just because he's new um again noteworthy is the fact that we all forgot his name I got very distinct Gilmore Girls revival vibes from it of the boyfriend Rory kept forgetting because he does feel a little placeholder-esque, at least right now. Although I'm excited to see how in the next few episodes they sort of flesh him out as a character and or really fulfill that relationship. Because I would love a, well, I was going to say happy ending for Jane. Listen, happy ending doesn't mean ending up with a boyfriend. Happy ending means whatever the fuck mm. you want it to mean. But I would love to see Jane in a happy, successful, supportive relationship. I was going to say, I think they have absolutely no chemistry. <laughs> and then I was like, why do I think that they have absolutely no chemistry? Like, there's no reason that they shouldn't. But then I was like, I think it's because he doesn't know her friends. <gasps> oh. yeah. I was like, he's such a separate storyline. In her right. life, and they Which is why he's forgettable. They know about him. They ask about him. They are invested. They think it's cute that she's got like this work flirtation, but they've never met him, and they don't hang out with him. And he, I don't know. That's why he feels so impermanent to me. Yeah, is because mm-hmm. he is not part of the in the friend circle yet. He doesn't have like that seal of approval. No, and that's big. That's true. That's such a good point. Yeah. 
it would make sense to me if she has the type of relationship, if they end, if they put Jane with somebody at the end, that she has a relationship that kind of mirrors the Jacqueline Ian relationship, Uh, which is somebody who respects that she's going to be a hardworking boss bitch. And listen, if we're speaking parallels and mentors, you brought up um, Sutton and Oliver earlier, and he's a single successful career man. That he is. And so so might she be a single successful career woman. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, you know, Sutton ending, ending up as like a career woman, what do we have general like final kind of hopes and or predictions for the final season? What do we want for them and what do we think will happen? I don't know. This show feels so close to my heart that you asked that question and like my stomach started hurting. Like it just it's. I don't want it to end is my hope for the final season. <laughs> I want it to get saved and keep going forever because it's one of those things where it's been so formative. And I think part of it, part of what's so cool is that we are their same age as they're going through this stuff. So, or right. close to at least. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess part of my hope, and this is vague, so it's not really even a storyline hope. My hope for the final season, because sometimes when you get a shortened final season, it feels rushed and mm-hmm. sloppy. My hope for this final season is that it continues to feel authentic. Because I think what I've liked about the show the whole time is even if they do things that like in my heart of hearts, my storytelling like love watcher doesn't want to happen, it still feels authentic. This show that yeah, this show does what I was going to say is this show does such a good job at like making me feel taken care of as a watcher. Um, and I feel like my only good example of that is my favorite show, Gossip Girl, where I'm like, wasn't exactly Mm. how we thought it would be, but they took such good care of us in the final, like, I felt like I didn't need more after that. I was like, this show is Mm. perfect how it is. I feel like they will tie up ends and leave us with an ending that's not going to be like, oh man, like I, I'm not worried for it to end. I feel like it's. As much as I love this show, it'll be a show that I can rewatch and be excited to rewatch. Yeah. Is how about you? I I think they've already started with the first episode. I think they've sort of calmed me down from the finale of season four. I was really mm. nervous about where things were going to go, especially with the cat relationship thing. But I think they're sort of wrapping that up and sort of, I think they're going to wrap it up very nicely. It doesn't feel too rushed to me at this point. I know we only have, what, five episodes left? Yeah, yeah. there's point five episodes mm. left. Knowing that Sam Page will come back at least for one episode makes me think that they're very invested in all of us having closure with the important relationships yeah. and mm-hmm. maybe keeping it open-ended for oh, where their relationships like go in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think they'll go that direction versus the like Parks and Rec-esque flash forward mm-hmm. direction that just feels more the style of the show. Um, these were all really lovely sentiments. I have some very stupid like pet things that are gonna happen. Um, so I do I do think Sutton will go to rehab. I agree. Um I think that will happen. I can see Oliver retiring or moving on to a different job mm-hmm. just because he has a lot more going on in his personal life and they've really built his personal life up in the fourth season. Mm-hmm. So I can see Sutton taking Oliver's job and being a boss bitch and running the fashion department. I think Kat will run for office again, and I think she'll win this time. I think it's great that she didn't the first time. 
part of me feels like Jane will follow the headstrong journalist brunettes that came before her, like Rory Gilmore and Summer Roberts, and get on a bus to follow politics at the end of the show and become a political reporter. That would be like the wild card ending. But I think where they're headed is that she is the future of Scarlet and she will... That could be like, it's assumed that she'll eventually take um, Jacqueline's place. Uh, My wild card hot, hot take is that they all end up single. I kind of think they Is that none of them end up in relationships. Because I think that that's how Carrie Bradshaw should have ended up. And I think that the bold type is doing a lot of correcting of narratives. Um, So I can see them all ending up single, but having each other. And like you said, like in a, you know. We assume that these characters will be fine and they will find love if that's what they want. What I feel certain of is that we will get, whether or not it'll be the last shot, I don't know, but we will get a shot of them screaming in the subway. Oh, yeah. I feel certain Also a closet moment. Yeah. Yeah. I really loved what you said, Megan, about, like, this show does a good job at changing the narrative. And I think, Mm -hmm. like, you know, it was kind of like when we first saw that in Frozen, where, like, you know... The girl did not have to end up with Prince Charming for it to be mm-hmm. a perfect ending. So I think, yeah. like, you know, getting to see that. And also, like, with only five episodes left, I just don't know if where we left things, like, there's enough time to fully, like, have these girls so invested in a relationship that we as an audience would, would feel mm-hmm. taken care of. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, maybe they'll have to do it do it justice tonally, if not practically. Yeah. Yeah, the only relationships I really feel sure about is the one between the three of them. Well, I think that's how it should be, I guess. Because that's how it is in life. These are the only ones I'm sure about. Ain't it? I still got you, babes. (laughs) Okay, and to wrap it up, I feel we wrap it up with just a general, like, fun love lesson from the bold type. It can be a certain plot line. It can be a certain relationship. But one little love lesson that you enjoyed and that you'll take with you in your nonfictional life. I'm a little concerned that I'm going to cry talking about this because I've just been thinking about it. And I, like, didn't think I would. But it's been so profound talking about this with you guys. I think my favorite love lesson from the show is really also a life lesson. But it's that you can be the same person you are at work or wherever you feel most in your power in your relationships and in all of your relationships. Mm. I think that we so often feel like we need to compartmentalize to the point of like taking on different personas almost in, in different places. And you can be the boss that you are at work in the bedroom or in your friendships and vice versa. If you are, if you feel more powerful in your friendships, you can be that boss at work. Like I just think it's a holistic view of, friendships and relationships and who you are and like that's what that's what made me feel emotional about it is like I feel like that's what the show taught us was that you can be a whole person you don't have to be the idea of someone or the character of someone or what people want you to be or what people think you are like you just are Kat or Jane or Sutton or Megan or Presley or Izzy or Katie and that's enough that was beautiful that was beautiful Going off what Katie said, she's right. It, it kind of teaches us that we can be two or three or four or five things at the same time. It's not one or the other. It's mm-hmm. all of the above. Like, the biggest overarching lessons over, like, the past four plus seasons, I think, to me, are one, make time to show yourself love before you show it to anybody else mm-hmm. and know your worth. Mm-hmm. It's so 
funny that, Ooh. I mean, I typed mine before you said yours, so, like, obviously it's it's gotta be true and this show's doing something right, but I said that love is ever-changing, and it's not one-size-fits-all. Um, I mean, it's not even one-size-fits-you, but, like, don't be afraid to explore all it has to offer. Yeah. So... To bring it back to Jacqueline Carlisle, like, I think it's great that we get to see love at different ages, too. Mm. And we get to see love in different stages and different fermentations, if you <laughs> will. And that you can also allow yourself to be imperfect in love the same way that you're imperfect in life. And that that doesn't mean that a match is wrong or that something is over. And I think it's so beautiful that we see Jacqueline Carlyle, who's such a role model, have an Im- have imperfect moments in her marriage and be able to work through them and recover. And we see these women have imperfect moments in their friendships and be able to work through them and recover. And relationships need different kinds of nurturing at different points in your life. And you always have to be in contact with what a relationship needs at any given point. Mm. And I think they do that so well in the romantic relationships. And mostly I think they do that so well in the friendships Mm. and nurturing the friendships in different ways and being in contact with how the needs of the friendship are changing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've been asked a lot recently for some reason, like if I've ever been in love. Because of that TikTok? (laughs) Have you ever been in love? love? Do you want me to tell you what it's like? (laughs) And I'm like, no, I've never been in love. Um, I can honestly say I've never been in love. But, like, I have been. Like, I'm so in love with my friends. It's the same but different, you know? And my friends honestly set the bar when it comes to love in, in romantic situations. Yeah, I mean, we ha- I have this whole podcast about romance, but there is something truly magical about female friendship that I think is incomparable. And I think, to me, the bold type really captures... I just the unconditional love. There's that episode in the in the fourth season where the what a co-star, that bartender that's like talking to all the different mm-hmm. people who are going through their love problems and they're like uh rekindled love and all these different kinds of love and they talk about Sutton and Richard as unconditional love, but really what the unconditional love of the show is is the female yeah. friendships and gosh. It's a little bit of magic. That's the hill I'll die on. Like, I love love, but, uh, I mean, we just came off of the last episode I did with you was about my favorite couple ever, and and yet I want to, I have to sit here and say, like, I think this is probably my favorite episode I've done. This makes me so emotional because, like, I just don't think people get it. I don't think people, I don't think so many people are lucky enough to see strong female friendships or lucky enough to know that you have to foster those the way you foster anything else. And it's so rare that a show or any sort of piece of art comes along that captures that. And I think what makes me feel vulnerable about it is that this show has been on during such a liminal time in our lives, at least not Mm. for all of us. I mean, you know, Presley, we met you later, but like all of us were going through a transitional time in our lives when we started watching the show and kept watching it. So like to have, writers and actors and performers out there who were putting these stories out and to have people who were watching it who were like, that's me, that's me too. Like, I don't know. I'm like, someone send this to them. I hope they hear this and know what kind of an impact they made because we're going to keep carrying forward with those lessons and I hope everyone else does too. Agreed. Amen. <laughs> oh, 
All right. Well, my fashion closet. Anything else? Um, you know, tune back in because we will come back and revisit the bold type at the end of the season. And uh, we have lots of thoughts on these relationships and many, many more. We're here every Thursday. But um, my fashion closet, thank you for being here today. And I really can't thank you enough. This was so was special. So good. So good. I feel like we've caught Yay. up with the ladies of the bold type. All right. Well, let's end the episode so we can actually um, talk shit about our lives. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, goodbye everyone. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.